Well, after Wednesday night's embarrassing loss at the hands of the San Antonio Spurs, I decided to take the night off from recording a Locked on Kings post-game podcast, let things marinate a little bit, and be able to record today's podcast this morning without the just pure frustration that everybody was feeling watching that game last night. Now that I've let things relax a little bit, had a night's sleep, I'm able to separate the clear frustrations which are still there from the legitimate concerns with this Kings team going forward. One concern in particular, a continuation of a pattern from last season now to this season that we thought was over, gone, and done with. We'll discuss that. Plus, Marvin Bagley, according to ABC 10's Sean Cunningham, refused to play when Luke Walton uh, called his number in the loss to the San Antonio Spurs a couple of games ago. What should the Kings do about Marvin Bagley? We'll dive into it all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's podcast is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's Donald's for always being there. I'm loving it. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member, Sacramento Kings media member uh, for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering Kings basketball, formerly for Sports 1140 KHDK Radio in Sacramento, now with ABC 10 Television. And my colleague, my co-worker, my friend, Sean Cunningham, that you've heard multiple times here on the Locked On Kings podcast, he tweeted out during last night's blowout loss Uh, in San Antonio, Uh, a video of Marvin being consoled kind of on the Kings bench from the Kings loss in Sacramento to the Phoenix Suns the the game before. Uh, And he had reported that multiple sources had told him that Marvin Bagley was asked to check in or was told to check in uh, at the end of the Kings Suns game, probably honestly, when the Kings were being uh, blown out and were losing like 24 or by 24 points, this was before I believe the the comeback attempt by the Kings when when Sacramento elected to go with Chemezi Metu uh, and and Damian Jones off the bench. And I've commented with uh, with you, I've commented with uh, friends and colleagues of mine it, how interesting it was. I spent some time talking about it after the Suns game that those two would get into the game before Marvin Bagley. Well, now it sounds like that wasn't initially the plan, that Marvin was higher on the pecking order, and yet he straight up refused to go into the game. Now, Sean reported that he asked Luke Walton about it. Luke is keeping everything in-house, wouldn't really comment on it, just said that uh, he and Marvin are in communications and Marvin has to stay ready. He didn't confirm it. He didn't deny it either. Uh, And honestly, it's more believable that Marvin would refuse to play than it is that uh, that's just a a story being made up, especially for someone like Sean Cunningham, who has an incredible reputation and, and has a lot of great connections with the Sacramento Kings organization. So what do we make of this? I see people 
absolutely upset by it. I see people that are kind of like, all right, no big deal, whatever, buy it. And that's kind of where I'm at, to be honest with you. Like, I expected myself to be more angry, to be more frustrated with Marvin uh, on the bench, straight up refusing to come into the game and being unprofessional, being a bad teammate. But in a way, Marvin's not a bad teammate because he's consistently still uh, been supporting his teammates on that bench. He's just refusing to come in and play if he's not going to be a part of the rotation he doesn't want to play uh, in in garbage time minutes of at the time a, a meaningless game with the Kings having little hope of a comeback. Of course, again, the Kings did end up coming back in that game without Marvin being on the floor. Uh, but like we talked about on on uh, the the post Suns podcast, I basically said, look. I think it's very possible that Marvin and his camp are not wanting to risk injury by playing in meaningless minutes at the end of a, a game of a blowout that don't really do anything for him. Like Marvin's value is probably not going to increase by the numbers that he puts up coming off the end of the bench for the Sacramento Kings in a win or a loss. So I'm not defending Marvin Bagley here, by the way. I'm just kind of laying out the Marvin Bagley perspective or why Marvin can feel like he's justified uh, in his thinking saying, look, you're not, you're not playing me when it matters. Uh, you're I'm clearly not part of the future of this team. I'm clearly not part of your rotation. No, I'm, I'm not going to go in and, and risk injury and risk my future with the injury issues I've had uh, to play in these meaningless garbage time minutes. If this is all you're going to give me. Um, I understand Marvin feeling disrespected by that. That being said, it's extremely unprofessional it looks terrible for him as it continues to look terrible. Everything that really is happening with Marvin Bagley that gets out into the news just looks worse and worse for him. And it's going to have more of a negative effect on his value, but maybe like it's a, maybe it's a push at this point. Maybe it balances itself out. Marvin's like, yeah, it's, it's probably bad press. It's probably not going to help my value, but neither is playing and getting hurt. And I believe I have enough talent to where some team, if I'm healthy, will want to take a flyer on me, pay me, and give me an opportunity to be successful outside of Sacramento, where I'm putting all my blame in the first place. It's the King's fault uh, that I haven't been able to live up to my number two overall pick status. So I'm I'm not mad. Like that's I'm I'm not. I can't really explain it. Like it's just like okay. Like that's that's it's the it's the nonchalant like dismissal that I have at this point of Marvin Bagley and, and his time with the Sacramento Kings. I see him there. I recognize him on the bench. I know who Marvin Bagley is. I know he's working in practice. I know he's there during shoot around. Marvin Bagley is not part of this team to me. Marvin Bagley is a Sacramento King only by um, ceremony is not the right word. He's technically a Sacramento King. He's technically a member of this King's roster, but he's not a part of this team. Like that's how I view it. And maybe that's unfair because I don't know Marvin's relationship with the players. I don't see how Marvin is interacting with them in the, in the locker room. Every visual indication that I have of Marvin's interaction with his teammates is very uh, positive, very good. Uh, he's always uprooting. He's always up cheering on the bench. He's having fun, has a great relationship with his teammates. It's, it, that's clear to see. So I'm not necessarily here trying to sow the seed of doubt that he's a horrible teammate and, and, and Kings players don't like him. This video that Sean Cunningham tweeted out shows some players giving him a high five after allegedly he refused to come into the game. Now, I'm not saying that a player coming over and high-fiving Marvin is encouraging him saying, yeah, screw them. Uh, screw Coach Walton. You shouldn't, uh, you don't back down. They're just lending their support uh, for their teammate. So th honestly, that's, I don't know if it's 
disappointing for you to tune into this Lockdown Kings podcast and and hear me kind of dismiss it so much, but that's really where I'm at with it. It's not worth the time and the energy to get upset about anymore. Like, it's unprofessional. Sure, should the Kings fine Marvin his game uh, paycheck for not uh, not playing? Well, I mean, they've been wasting money on him for the last three years. What's, what's another paycheck going to do? It doesn't matter. He's still on your books. Who cares? Like, you're not going to pay him this offseason. He's not going to get his, uh, whatever, what is it, $14 million qualifying offer or whatever it is. It's going to drop down to seven. And even that he probably, or he definitely won't get unless the Kings trade him away, which is hard to imagine him having any kind of trade value whatsoever for a team to want to take that. Marvin Bagley's time here in Sacramento is done. We've talked about it time and time again. So why should I care? Why should I care? I've seen people say, well, send him home. Send him back to Phoenix. Remember, when ba- uh, Bagley was injured at the end of last season, instead of rehabbing with the team, he went home to Phoenix to rehab with his family. And I had a problem with that at the time. I thought that was a bad look. I thought that was not him being that the best of teammates. I thought it was also interesting that the Sacramento Kings either, one, completely allowed him to do that, or two, encouraged him to do that. So I see uh, people going, well, send him home. Let him go. Who cares? Get him away from the team. He's a cancer. Is he though? Because based off what I'm seeing, he's fine in the locker room. So whatever, like let him be there. He's at the end of the bench. He's behind Shemezi Metu for sure. At this point, he's behind Damian Jones. He's behind Jemias Ramsey. If you called Lewis King up from the G League, which the Kings might want to consider doing, he'd be behind Lewis King. Marvin Bagley is about at the, as close to the end of the bench as you could possibly be. Marvin, if, if he's actually sitting on a bench, he might as well be sitting with the fans at the corner. That's what Marvin Bagley is to this team. Fine. If he refuses to play, what difference does it make? How does it hurt you? The only time you're going to play him in the first place is in a meaningless blowout. How does it hurt you? It's annoying. It's obnoxious. But it looks worse on Marvin Bagley than it looks bad on the Kings. I don't think it makes Luke Walton or the Kings look weak to not discipline Marvin for refusing to play. Now, if Marvin was part of the Kings rotation... Like not a starter, but he was a 20 minutes per game guy and he wanted to be a starter and he was frustrated that he wasn't a starter and he was frustrated that he only got 20 minutes and the Kings were, uh, uh, Luke Walton goes pointing to Marvin Bagley, hey, get into the game. This is your spot in the rotation to come in here late in the first quarter. If Marvin refused then, then you have a problem because he's part of your team. He's part of your group. He has an established role. He gets playing time and now he's refusing. That's a bigger issue. Very different from what's happening here, which is Marvin not having a role. The only time he gets to play is garbage time, and he refuses to play at that point. Like, he's clearly not part of your rotation. He's clearly not part of your future. Why waste energy and time on it? That's how I look at the whole thing. I want to hear your opinion on this situation, because maybe you're more frustrated with Marvin than I am. Maybe you feel the same way I do. Let me know, at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Uh, You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com, or leave your comments down in the uh, comment section down below if you're watching on YouTube. Now we're going to transition into talking about this freaking terrible King's loss at the hands of the San Antonio Spurs to start this. What I thought was a rather easy, it's not the right word, but definitely winnable four-game road trip. And the Kings still have three games to get right on this winnable four-game road trip. But starting out the road trip the way that they did in San Antonio, and with this being the third straight poor performance for the Kings and their third straight loss, we got things to talk about. 
we got some concerns to bring up. Before we get to that, though, I want to let you know today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. We are two weeks away from Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food, all the treats, and there's plenty of them on my table every single year. But maybe this year, you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and isn't so full of sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bars is the new holiday dessert. How many people diet all year long, work on their health all year long, get to the holiday season, and you just can't refuse, and maybe you lose some of that progress. It doesn't have to happen. You can still get the sweets and the deliciousness you're looking for around the holiday season without putting on all those calories and eating all that junk. Feast on something delicious. Feel good about it this year. One slice of pie, for example, has upwards of 300 calories, and honestly, that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein built in. Uh, replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any uh, pie available uh, in Built Bar's uh, delicious chocolatey form. They're also covered in 100% real chocolate, by the way. And if you can't wait till Thanksgiving, don't worry. Go to Built.com right now. You can order a mixed box, try a bunch of different flavors, and then when we get to Black Friday after Thanksgiving, there are going to be some pretty cool cool deals coming for you to save some money and load up on built bars. I can't wait to take advantage of that, but Hey, you can take advantage of this deal right now that has nothing to do with black Friday, which is using promo code locked 15 at checkout to get 15% off. Again, that's promo code locked 15 to get 15% off at built.com. So Kings are coming off of two losses one to the Indiana Pacers, where the offense was terrible following an offensive explosion against the Charlotte Hornets, where the Kings defense kept them into the game. A similar theme to what we had seen uh, throughout the, the first 10 games. So the Kings are 10 games into the season. They're 5-5 five and five to start. It's a tough schedule, but all in all, we're feeling pretty good. We're a little concerned that the, the offense had such a steep drop-off after putting up 140 on Charlotte, but that is pretty common after an offensive blowout. Then you head into the Phoenix Suns game. You're taking on a team that you've beaten already, who is without their starting center, DeAndre Ayton, but they're still a very good team. They made it to the NBA Finals last year. They're upset that they lost you in the first place. They have a four-game win streak coming into that game. And very similar to the first quarter of the Indiana Pacers loss, you look slow. The offense isn't there, and the Suns... Uh, take an early lead. But then the Kings defense comes alive and the offense starts to catch up. The Kings work their way back into it around halftime. The Kings are right back into it. Same story as the first 10 games of the season. Looks like a continuation of that pattern. We're thinking, okay, this is who this Kings team is. They're not really going to get blown out. If they fall behind, they have the defense and the offensive firepower to work their way back in, but they're also not good enough to blow any team out themselves. This is what they are. They're going to hang with almost every team on a nightly basis and be in every game. Then the third quarter happens where the Phoenix Suns come out, they pick up the pressure, they pick up the energy, absolutely embarrass the Kings in that third quarter, and then the Kings make uh, salvage a little bit of it, make some extremely ridiculous like 20-4 to 4 run in the fourth quarter with their bench, bench, bench unit and make it a respectable final score at the end. And remember what I told you after that game. I don't want you focusing on the fact that the Kings battled back. I don't want you giving them that credit and ignoring the third quarter because how they played in the third quarter is extremely concerning to me, was extremely concerning to me because I told you it is exactly how this Kings team looked last season almost every single game. And even though it was just one game, seeing it was scary. Seeing it brought up PTSD for anybody who's watched Kings basketball over the last 15 years, but especially watched last season. Now you cut to the San Antonio Spurs game. The second straight game 
that Tyrese Halliburton is out of the starting lineup and you have uh, Buddy Heald in the starting lineup, which for the record, I am not blaming Buddy Heald for how bad the Kings have played uh, these last two games. I'm not blaming Buddy Heald for the Kings being 0-2 when he's in the starting lineup. What I'm saying is it does not work. We know it does not work. Why continue it? Davion Mitchell should be starting when Tyrese Halliburton is out because Davion Mitchell does more of what Tyrese Halliburton does than Buddy Heald does. Your starting lineup has to reinvent themselves and play differently when Tyrese Halliburton is out and Buddy Heald is in for him versus if Davion Mitchell is in, no, Davion is not the facilitator and ball handler that Tyrese Halliburton is, but he's more of that than Buddy Heald is. Davion Mitchell needs to be starting and Buddy needs to be coming off the bench because that's where he is the most effective. It does not work. And I don't understand why they continue to do it. But hey, Buddy Heald starts. It's not his fault that the Kings are terrible. He's part of the problem though. And the Kings get absolutely embarrassed from the get-go while the San Antonio Spurs outscored 34 to 20 in the first quarter, 37 to 34 in the second quarter, even 33 to 33 in the third, and then outscored the Kings uh, 32 to 30 in the fourth quarter. But 34 to 20 in the first freaking quarter after coming out flat to start the last two games and working your way back into it and then having a terrible third quarter in in Phoenix, which was the first time we saw both the offense and defense terrible, instead of correcting those mistakes, and we heard coming into the game that the Kings were focusing on reestablishing that defensive presence, that defensive identity that frustrated teams through the first 10 games, being very handsy on defense, being very physical, For the third straight game, the Kings come out flat, they come out slow, and instead of waiting for the third quarter to be punched in the mouth, they just allowed themselves to get their asses kicked right out of the get-go. Right out of the gate. It's inexcusable. It's embarrassing. And here's the biggest concern that I have. You can obviously hear there's still frustration in my voice following that game. And full disclosure, I didn't watch that game all the way through. Thankfully, I had a family dinner that night. And I was following the game on my phone. I was listening to G-Man call the first half. And then I was kind of paying attention to the TV in the restaurant that we were in. But thank God I had a family dinner that night. Because if I had to sit down and watch that entire thing at home, I would have pulled my hair out. I would have been crying as loud as my baby cries. Like, it's, it's, it was terrible. And still, I, I tried to follow it as closely as I possibly could. I'm very glad that I didn't have to sit through every second uh, of that game. But I went back. I watched a, a decent amount of it this morning. But separating the frustrations from the real concern here, which is last season, this Sacramento Kings team, and so much of the goal of this season has not only been to make the playoffs, but been to correct the drastic glaring mistakes from last season. The biggest one being the ups and downs, the extreme highs and lows, the inconsistencies of this Kings team last year, where they'd go on a really good stretch and follow it up with a nine-game losing streak. Look at the start of this season and look at where we're at now. A good stretch. Kings 5-5 five and five through their first 10 games, giving the Utah Jazz all that they can handle, beating the New Orleans Pelicans twice, which is a team that they should be beating, putting up 140 on the Charlotte Hornets, nearly beating the Golden State Warriors. Like, good start to the season. Beating the Portland Trailblazers in Portland to open up the year. Good stretch. Around 500, where we expect this Kings team to be. And quite honestly, if they're in that range, if they are a 500 team by the end of the season, they're a playing team. Right where we expect them to be, they're playing at their level. And now they followed that up with two and a half, basically, 
very poor performances capped off by their absolute worst performance of the season in San Antonio, where they looked everything like last year's team and nothing like this year's team so far. The continuation of the pattern. Yeah, it's only a three-game losing streak compared to a nine-game losing streak, but both nine-game losing streaks last season had to start somewhere. And the way this one is starting compared to those last two is very, very eerily, uncomfortably similar. I said it before, if the Kings lose anywhere close to nine straight games, Luke Walton is gone. Like, that, it's not going to happen. There's no way he survives that. I don't know if he survives five games, especially when the upcoming games for the Sacramento Kings are as winnable as they are, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But what, again, what most concerns me about last night's loss in San Antonio is this team has completely reverted back or looks like they've completely reverted back to their inconsistent ways of last season when we thought that they were gone. Now, I never thought it was going to be 100% dead and we never see it again. I expected to see it in stretches during games, and we have, like the third quarter or the fourth quarters to start the season, right? The bad fourth quarter against the Portland Trailblazers, the bad fourth quarter against the Indiana Pacers, or rather the uh, the Utah Jazz, the bad fourth quarter against the Golden State Warriors where, where they couldn't catch up with Steph Curry and Draymond Green on the bench. Like, those are stretches of last year's season during a game that this Kings team has to work their way out of. I never thought one offseason and the addition of a couple players was going to completely change what last year's team was and completely fix all their problems. But I also didn't expect them to revert back so heavily that they'd have a third quarter like they had in Phoenix and follow it up two nights later with the first quarter and basically whole game that they had in San Antonio after struggling like they did against the Indiana Pacers. To me, I honestly think and this, this might seem like a wild take, but it, it feels correct. To me, it would have been better for the Sacramento Kings to be blown out by the Phoenix Suns. It would have been better. They would have been better off because for some reason, I know that some players and especially some fans were leaving the Golden One Center after that loss to the Phoenix Suns going, well, at least we didn't roll over. We made a game of it at the end. It wasn't as embarrassing as it could have been. We're feeling pretty good. Like we lost but we made, we fought hard. Like, Hey, moral victory, silver lining, big thumbs up participation trophy instead of, wow, we just got absolutely embarrassed. We got destroyed in the third quarter on our home floor. We lost by 20 to a Phoenix suns team that was without one of their best players. Granted, we were without one of our best players too, but we still got embarrassed. You know what? Let's go on the road. Let's go to San Antonio team. We know that we're better than, and let's show and remind the rest of the world that, we're a significantly better team than that. And San Antonio just happens to be in the way. Sorry, Spurs. Like that's how many times have Kings opponents who have gotten blown out the night before come into Sacramento and run a, a train over the Kings, just completely plowed them over. How many times has that happened? It would have been better off for the Kings to have been blown out by the Phoenix Suns because they would have given a damn or played harder against the Spurs, played significantly more physical against the Spurs than they did. And honestly, look, I don't care that De'Aaron Fox had his best game of the season. I don't care that De'Aaron Fox scored 37 points in 35 minutes, taking 24 shots. I don't care. I don't. 
Like there's positives from that. It's good to see that De'Aaron is capable of that. But is De'Aaron only capable of that when the Kings are being blown out and you're not getting any contribution from a guy like Harrison Barnes or minimal contribution from Buddy Heald or very little bench contribution? Is that the only way that De'Aaron Fox is going to be able to put up these performances when Tyrese Halliburton is out and not playing with him? Like if De'Aaron can only succeed when the role players aren't playing well, that looks good or looks bad for everybody. But worst of all, De'Aaron Fox. So the one positive that you can pull out of this game, De'Aaron's performance, feels absolutely like the worst positive on the, but doesn't feel like a positive at all. Feels like a negative. At least it does to me. Embarrassing, embarrassing loss to the San Antonio Spurs. Three winnable games still to wrap up this road trip. The Kings have to get minimum two. But, I mean, honestly, they should win all three. They should have beaten the San Antonio Spurs last night. But then again, maybe I shouldn't even be saying that. Maybe the Kings haven't earned the right for me to say that. I thought they did after their first 10, 11 games of the season. Maybe, once again, I jumped the gun and got suckered in uh, to believing that this team was better than they were. Well, if you feel confident one way or another about that game, you can make some money on it on betonline.ag. And I hope you took the San Antonio Spurs on BetOnline last night if you bet on the game because uh, you had no ch- chance of making money with the Kings. BetOnline is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season. More props, more odds, more lines than ever before. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. You can head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use promo code Locked On. You'll receive that bonus. It's free money that easy. All you have to do is type in one word, locked on from basketball to football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So like I just said, how the Kings could have come out against the San Antonio Spurs had they been blown out to the Phoenix Suns. That's exactly what I expect in Oklahoma City tomorrow. You're playing a Thunder team that is actively tanking and yet still has one less win than the Kings, I think, and has beaten the Los Angeles Lakers twice. So you can't come in with any kind of swagger and think this team's going to be a pushover. Quite the opposite. You need to come in looking for every bit of blood you can. We don't know if Tyrese Halliburton is going to be playing or not. If if he's playing, great. If he's not, it's not an excuse. You just were absolutely embarrassed by the Spurs in San Antonio, a team you absolutely should be better in. I don't care that Greg Popovich coaches that team. You need to be better than that team. If you expect to be a play-in team minimum, these are the teams you need to not only beat. Teams like OKC, you need to absolutely embarrass. You need to establish yourself. You are a real, legitimate playoff threat in the West. That's what you're trying to prove. So do it on the floor in games that you should be winning. I expect the Kings to come out as physical and as aggressive as they possibly can in the first quarter. That might not result in them making shots. They could still miss shots, but defensively, I expect them to be relentless. I expect them to fight hard, and anybody who does not fight hard to start the game should be on the bench two minutes in. That is what I expect for this Kings team against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And honestly, I expect them to be pissed beyond that game. Even if they win, let's say they beat the Thunder by 40. I don't care. Carry that into the Detroit Pistons game. You should be beating them. And then you wrap up the the road trip against the Minnesota Timberwolves team, which out of this entire road trip is probably the most difficult team that you're going to be facing. A team that could and expects to be right in that same play-in position as you are with good talent. 
If you got embarrassed by the San Antonio Spurs, imagine what Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, that Timberwolves team can do to you. There is no excuse for the OKC game. There's really no excuse for the remainder of this road trip unless the Kings are massively plagued by injuries. Knock on wood. No excuse. Fix it immediately. Don't let this get to a four-game losing streak. Don't let it get. Don't let us even think a four-game uh, losing streak is possible with this game at any point. If the Kings lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder tomorrow night, oh, I don't even know. I'm not saying that people are going to lose their jobs. I guess it depends on how bad they lose. But now every bit of warning and PTSD from last season should be flaring in everybody's brain. If the Kings lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder and make it four straight losses, nine seems right around the corner. Right around the corner. I want to know how you're feeling right now because I'm frustrated. I still think truly, truly, and I think what fuels most of this frustration, I still think that the Sacramento Kings version of, uh, or the 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 five and five uh, first 10 games version of the Sacramento Kings team, I think that is more true to form because that's the form that makes sense. The way the Kings played in those first 10 games, that version of this team makes sense. Them being an average team, being better defensively, being a little more physical, capable of hitting shots, but when the shots aren't falling, the game isn't completely out of hand. That makes sense for this Kings team. The last three, well, really two games, but especially the San Antonio Spurs game, that doesn't make sense. That's why it's so perplexing that it happened so much last season. Two separate nine-game losing streaks in the same season? That doesn't happen. That doesn't make sense. This, what we've seen in the last two games from the Kings, it does not make sense. So I firmly believe that that is not who this Kings team is. But they don't have as long of a leash as they had last season to prove that to me. Because if they start dropping games, they're five and seven right now. If they start falling into a deeper hole, especially on the road against beatable teams, God, when the rest of the regular season gets going and when established teams get into a rhythm and we get into the dog days of the season when players start getting hurt and get tired and things start slowing down a little bit, where's the Kings team going to be at that point? Let me know how you're feeling. At Matt George Sack on Twitter, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Let me know in the comment section in YouTube down below. Deep breath, everybody. Deep breath. Kings have some things to prove against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm not saying they can solve all their problems in that game, but a statement victory in that game sends a message not only to the rest of the league, it sends a message to themselves and their fans. It's what this Kings team needs to do. And again, let me know what you think about the whole Marvin Bagley uh, situation as well. Appreciate your support for the Locked On Kings podcast. If you could leave a review of this podcast, that would be fantastic. Best place to do that is on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Hit five stars. Leave a little blurb about what you like about the podcast, why you'd encourage others to listen to the pod, even constructive criticism. Great place to put it there as well. I appreciate all of your support. Can't wait to have you join me, hopefully after a Kings blowout win against the Thunder, or at least a statement win if nothing else. Plus, I'm going to work on getting Sean Cunningham back here on Locked on Kings uh, to talk more about this Bagley situation and his thoughts on just what's happening with the Kings in general. That'll be coming probably next week. We'll have to wait and see with that. But keep your eye out for more Locked on Kings content and coverage. Uh, We'll provide it for you as much as we possibly can. If anything happens with this Kings team, of course, we will discuss it right here. As always, I appreciate your support. Can't wait to talk to you next time. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.